0: Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM.
1: So at 7.41, Chinese President Xi Jinping and his Taiwanese counterpart, however he may refer to him, I think it was just... Mr. They joined hands and held their first ever summit since the two sides split in 1949. And today we go over the significance of all this with Professor Andrew Nathan from Columbia University's Department of Political Science. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. Can you just take us through this meeting of Mr. and Mr., um, why they had to call each other Mr. and Mr., and, and your brief appraisal?
0: Well, uh- Mainland China, the People's Republic of China in Beijing, doesn't recognize Taiwan, the Republic of China on Taiwan, as uh, as a sovereign state. And so they can't call the president of the Republic of China president. And since the president of the Republic of China considers himself to be a president, uh, he requires reciprocity. So they, they were able to find reciprocity in the Mr. Mister title.
1: Is it a little bit, I don't know, silly at international level to be at that point? Or do we just accept that as a as a kind of compromise when you're looking on? Does that signal, uh, in other words, more discord than hope?
0: It's not. I wouldn't call it silly. I think there's a lot at stake. What's really at stake is mainland China claims sovereignty over Taiwan, which is a very important piece of real estate, and they don't want to and yet they haven't controlled taiwan since 1945 or 49 when when the people's republic of china was created so uh they don't want to do anything that would entrench in a legal sense or protocol sense the the separateness of taiwan so it's there's really a lot at stake ultimately here
1: what do you make of the response to the the summit because we know particularly in taiwan there's been something of a backlash and for some time there's been this criticism that president ma ying jo is uh, been a little bit too far in his efforts uh... to to mm. bring about at least some improvement in ties
0: yeah so there are two political tendencies in taiwan two major political parties and president ma represents the political party that accepts the principle that there is one China. Um, they don't want to unify with mainland China in any near term, but they also don't want to declare independence because that would trigger a war, and it would also violate their historical sense that there is one China. Mm. And the other party, the DPP, has historically been a pro-independence party, although currently they also don't really want to pick a fight with mainland China. So... um So I think uh, President Ma in his eight years as president has taken the position that we we really need to find a way to live with China and benefit from the booming Chinese economy and that has created a lot of opposition from the part of the public that doesn't want to get roped into closer and closer relations with mainland China.
1: Yeah, the uh, assessment of the summit reminded me of the Criticisms here in Korea of the first ever bilateral summit between President Park Geun-hye and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, but the defence is also similar in the sense that, well, what could we really have expected uh, in this sort of icebreaker? It's the ice breaking itself that uh, has to be recognised, perhaps, rather than the the content of any outcomes. Would you agree yeah, with that? So, well,
0: in a way, so I think the the president of China, the People's Republic for a long time has said, I'm not going to meet with you because it's going to make make it look like we are two equal presidents of two separate and and equal uh, countries, which is against the position that the People's Republic of China takes. And so he finally yielded on that point. He He didn't recognize the Republic of China as an independent country, but he did agree to Stand, as it were, on the same platform as on a Mr. to Mr. basis. So in that sense, equal. So that's a concession from the Chinese side. And I think the reason for that concession was they wanted to send a message to the voters in Taiwan that, um, you know, we can, there are great prospects if you continue the policy of President Ma of being cooperative and and, and, and seeking common ground but there's also a lot of risk if you diverge from Mm. that policy and start to pick a fight with us so he was trying to send that message to the voters I think
1: yeah I mean can Taiwan afford to to go it alone and and how unrealistic is it for for people to have this nationalist stance when obviously the People's Republic of China is not about to go away right Um,
0: well So far, the the, the Taiwan political system has managed to avoid being sucked into unification with mainland China. And part of the reason for that is a guarantee from the United States that the U.S. stands behind what American policy calls peaceful resolution Mm. of the Taiwan issue, which is basically the U.S. deterring mainland China from using military force to solve this question. And so long as mainland China doesn't really have the military capability to seize the island against American resistance, Taiwan can stay independent. But can their economy flourish without close integration with the mainland China economy? That is a really big issue, and I I don't think it can really flourish without that
1: relationship. You mentioned U.S. policy. That's one of the most fascinating aspects of all this for me looking on how Washington can possibly continue to to view both countries the way that it does or both governments the way that it does um, and and actually support Taiwan at the same time.
0: Well, that's you might say an achievement of Richard Nixon. (laughs) When Nixon visited China in 1972, the Chinese had said for a long time, we're not gonna open up any relationship with the United States until the US stops supporting Taiwan. But in 1972, Mao Zedong really wanted a relationship with the United States because he was afraid of the pressure from the Soviet Union. So he said, okay, We'll, we'll, we'll put out our position in the famous Shanghai communique of 1972. China will state its position, which is that nobody can interfere in the uh, Taiwan issue. And, and the U.S. will state its position in the same communique, which is that the U.S., Insists upon peaceful resolution of the issue, and Nixon was able to get that into the communiqué, and it's continued to be the basis of American Taiwan policy. Mm. Does it make sense legally? Not, not so much, I guess. Uh, but it makes sense strategically for the United States because of its, you know, longstanding uh, commitment uh, to, you know, to to the ROC and to this principle of peaceful resolution. So the U.S. has stood by that, and China has
1: had to live with it so far. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a bit more insight into what is not only complex, but also a long-standing issue, and which may well continue to impact on on many of us uh, as this uh, complicated web of relations goes forward in an increasingly important part of the world. We wish you all the best with your future work in the area, too. Thank you. Professor Andrew Nathan from Columbia University. Anyone is welcome to get in touch with us. And uh, one of the best ways to do that at your leisure any time of day, if you want to offer us your feedback on our show as well, you can email us morning at gmail.com.